There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's go. <laughs> We're serious now. Now we are serious. Let's get into it and get down. See, I screwed it up. Screwed it up. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Mr. Jonathan Kaiser, the founder and thought leader behind Kaiser, a company disrupting the commercial real estate industry, and the author of the new book, You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win. Jonathan, welcome. Thanks, man. Centauri, I think you know something about this, a thing or two. Jonathan used to be a self-centered jerk. I read that on your website. Yes, I was. Did you say I... Wait, hold on. Did you say I know a thing or two about that? Yeah. Huh. All right. We'll let that one go. So we are actually, uh, we're actually coming to you from my closet, because people don't necessarily know this or not, but it's a great place to record podcasts. There are excellent acoustics. There are clothes hanging all around us. <laughs> It keeps just, the echoes down. It's it's a little tight, but it does keep the echoes down. And this chair is very comfortable. Yeah. It's very it's, nice. It's one of those old-fashioned folding your, chairs. Yeah, I was going to say, do you keep this outside? You, you can't rock back too hard, otherwise it squeaks. Yeah. But So welcome to my closet, gentlemen. So back to the whole self-centered jerk thing. Yes. How, how long ago was this? Tell me all about that. So I'll give you the, just a quick, quick story. So I was raised... To help people. My parents taught me to love and serve and give. The problem is that we were poor. Mm. And so I decided helping others means you end up poor. Mm. And so from an early age, I decided I am not. I'm going to do like my parents did, and I'm going to focus on making some money. So I got into commercial real estate not to help people. I got into commercial real estate to make some money and to be rich. And as I got into commercial real estate, I realized really quickly, wow, this is a ruthless industry. Everybody's scratching, clawing, stabbing each other in the back, stealing clients. And I said, okay, hey, if this is the game, again, I don't want to be poor like my parents. I want to be rich. So I became ruthless. And I'm a little bit of an overachiever. So I became arguably the most ruthless guy out there. And I was basically doing whatever it took to be successful. Talking clients into bad deals because it made me more money. Um, you know, being ruthless within the organization that I, was, I would work at. Trying to overhear conversations so I could see who they're talking to. So maybe I could go call them. And so here I was, five years into the business, making an okay amount of money, but miserable. And I felt completely misaligned with my core values. So I go to this conference and this guy gets up. And it was like this conference was called like networking or something. So I figured, ah, it sounds like an easy, easy class to go sit through. So I'm sitting in this class and this guy gets up and he starts talking about helping other people. And this guy's a stud making a lot of money a year, multiple millions of dollars a year. And I'm like looking at him and all he's talking about is helping people. And I'm like, no way. This is this guy's shtick. You know? Where's the angle on this thing? I know, you know, come on, man. So afterwards, I go up to him afterwards and I go, come on, man. 
tell me the truth. You don't really do all that stuff. That's just your shtick. He goes, no, I really do this. And I said, well, how's that possible? You know, like, how do you, how do you actually make money doing it? And he said, well, think of it like this, Jonathan. Today, as a commercial real estate broker, you're a hunter. You get your gun, you go hunt. You kill, skin, eat. Tomorrow, you got to get up and go do it all over again. He said, for me, what I do is I'm like a farmer. I plant citrus trees. And like, I have a citrus tree in my house here in Scottsdale. And when I, it was when it was baby, like I would like value every little lemon that came off of it, right? And I got almost none at first. And then he kept nurturing it, and watering it, and you know, pruning it. Now the thing's almost a nuisance. It gives me so many lemons, right? I, have to, I can't give them away fast enough. And he goes, that's what, that's what this is like. The more people you help, the more success you have. I'm like, really? And so I asked the question, you know, Mr. Critic that I believed myself to be. I said, well, if that's true, how come nobody else is doing this, right? Like if this really works so great and such a great way to make money and do business, how come I never heard of it before? And he said, because it takes too long. It's not the long game. It's the short, the people are looking at the short game. They want instant gratification. This is long term. I said, well, how long are you talking about? He said, it'll take you about four and a half to five years hmm. of doing this relentlessly before you really see any payback. But then those seeds will be planted. Then you just gotta keep watering and nurturing those seeds and you won't have to go recreate yourself all the time. And I was so, I was so blown away with that as an even a possibility that I did a little bit more due diligence, determined that he was for real. There was one other guy doing it, tracked that guy down, asked him the same thing. He said the same thing and I said, if those guys can do it, I can do it. And I decided I was going to be, um, I decided I was going to do that in Arizona because these guys are in other states. And so came back to Arizona, threw my business plan away. This is about 15 years ago. Wow. And just started helping everybody that I could. And when you say helping everyone, what does that look like? So that's a great question because a lot of people don't really know what I mean by that because in a lot of people's world, what you do for business, if like if you sell shoes, somebody comes in to buy shoes, you sell them shoes. Is that service? Well, yeah, that's one definition of service. When I describe selfless service, I'm describing something that doesn't have any immediate what's in it for me, right? So not help, like my company, what we do is we help organizations with their real estate, help them negotiate leases, buy buildings, sell buildings, whatever. If I do a good job of that, sure, that's service. But what I'm describing is I was asking people whatever they needed. So what I, I would just say, what do you need? Like, like if you had somebody that was here to help, that, would, that, that, that knew a lot of people, and that wanted to be of service to you, what would that look like? And so, thank you, dear. You're very welcome. So, close the closet door behind us. Thank you. <laughs> so, I would help people find jobs. I would help people's kids get internships. Mm. I would help them find doctors if, if their family had a medical issue. I would help them get better connected in the community. I would help other people try to get clients for themselves versus me out pursuing my own clients. So basically it was anything and everything that someone needed, I became almost like a community concierge where I said, if you need anything, you just call me. And then I would just help them. Whatever they asked me to do, I would try my very hardest to do it. I also joined um, different organizations, like business organizations, nonprofit organizations. And I just said, how can I help you? And I'm like, I don't have a lot of money because I'm in the service mode, 
but I got sweat equity, so what do you need? So I became like president of Arizona Business Leadership. Why? Because I was showing up every day, doing everything that everybody asked me. They're like, that guy's doing good. Let's get, you know what I mean? Right. So like it just turned into this thing where over five years, it was a long, hard road. And everybody lost faith in me. My old firm thought I was crazy. I mean, imagine I was national rookie of the year for Grubb and Ellis. And now all of a sudden, it looks like I hit my head. Like, what happened to that dude? How, how, how long was that? You being national rookie of the year, you go to this conference. So that was at my, that was, um, let's see, what would have, timetables are not the best for me. Just roughly, much. like a year? No, let's see. So they give rookie of the year your first or second year. I'd been in the business about five years when I started this. Okay. So it was, it was, it was my five to ten year period that of being in the business that I was developing this new way of doing business. Got it. It's a good question. So, but everybody thought I had gone nuts. Even my wife at the time was like, Jonathan, I don't get it. Like, you're not dumb. You work really hard. Why are we so broke? Like, what's going on? I'm like, trust me, I'm up to something. I'm up to something. So anyways, long story short, after five years, just like he had predicted, I started getting all these referrals. I started getting people that would reach out to me and said, hey, I really appreciate how you helped my mom with X, Y, Z. We got a company that needs more space. Could you help our company? Like, yes, I'd be delighted. And that just turned into this amazing snowball effect Centauri where everything that I was doing, I was starting to see, it wasn't always directly from the person I helped, but sometimes it would be so, like I have a really amazing story. I helped this kid one time who, like there was no reason, it was not like a business, he was a young kid and I just served him and helped him. And he was so blown away by what I did that he went home to his wife. Him and his wife met that night in their home, brainstormed all their most successful friends, wanted to help me back so badly that identified a connection that was that was like would be an amazing client for me and unsolicited to me without me even knowing they were doing or asking. The next morning I had an email introduction from them saying all these amazing things about me to this potential client. Wow. Now, I had no idea of knowing that would happen with that direct situation, right? But what I do know is that the more people you serve, the more people you help, over the long term, it the universe can't handle an imbalance and it comes back. So back to my story, business started flooding in, my business just ramped up and took off. I went from laughing stock to top producer at the firm. Now I had a new problem. Now, the new problem is here I am building this culture of selfless service within a traditional firm. Mm-hmm. So, and it was getting constrained. I was getting constrained by not, like this message needed a life of its own, right? It was getting lost within the message of traditional commercial real estate. So I had an epiphany moment in 2012 where I realized that what I was up to was bigger than me, that it was bigger than my little team that I had and that it had the opportunity to actually transform and reinvent an industry and prove definitively that you don't have to be ruthless to win, to prove that even in an industry as cutthroat and ruthless as commercial real estate brokerage, that you could actually create success through service, that good guys could still win in an industry where it's thought of as, as that's almost silly to say, right? There's very few people that would say, who are the people that I think have the highest degree of integrity and I trust the most? Oh, I know. My commercial real estate broker, my used car salesman. Like, it's laughable, right? right. So in an industry that's that trust and, and 
and credibility around service is is laughable, we've brought a new vision to it. And so that was in the middle of 2012, and then we launched Kaiser in 2013 to be a new kind of commercial real estate firm. And uh, today we're the largest firm of our kind in the state, um, rapidly growing in the country. We're, I was just telling um, your man George here that we're, um, we're about to bring on a president and chief growth officer who will really enable us to scale and start plopping down offices in other markets. My book, which you uh, just got to put your hands on, I just, it's not even officially launched until the 11th, but it's got this cool texture. You like that? You like that, George? It feels has good. It has a pretty nice feel. It's nice. It's nice. It's not as nice as, you know, these these shirts that you have hanging here in your right. closet, but this yeah. is this is a nice. So it's really cool to have, I mean, that's been a labor of love. Oh, Shatari, really like imagine. that has been, it has been such a long, hard road getting here because what I didn't realize about being an author is that, you know, with, especially if it's your personal story and, and, and what you're all about, you, you, it's never done. It's like, it all, you're always like, ah, oh, I can just make this more tweak and this more tweak. And so did you have an accountability coach? I did not have an accountability oh, wow, coach really on hard. my book. Yeah. Um, part of it is because I wanted to wait until we were big enough. So part of it was decided like uh, slow playing it. But part of it too, is just, you read it enough times, Centauri, and you're just like, you start getting sick of your own book, mm. but I've had some amazing, uh, Robin helped me do this. Robin and Maya really helped me get this to this level. And in it, we describe briefly my story so that people can see that it's actually possible. Cause that's what I needed for me is to actually hear about someone else who'd done it and how they did it. But then we've, how we create a culture of service and we have 15 cooperating principles that we've built the firm on that determine our culture. And then I'm also launching the Kaiser Institute to train and empower the next generation of selfless leader and to certify those leaders. So in the future, just like today, people have MBAs or they have PhDs or they have Black Belt and Six Sigma, there'll be a Kaiser certification for culture. And we're almost finished with our first uh, course in that. Um, but at the end of the day, what we're all about and the reason why the book's titled You Don't Have to Be Ruthless to Win is we wanna prove that regardless of what industry you're in, that if you do the right things, if you focus on other people and serve, then you can have extraordinary success and that you don't have to bring all of that. You know, it's, it's amazing to me that people know this stuff. People know how to serve. They know how to help. They know how to give. They do it in their families. They do it in their social clubs. They do it in their churches. They do it in their whatevers. And then they get into business and they forget all that and they feel like they have to actually go you know, put on their tough suit and go fight, fight, fight. And it's like, is that really necessary? And so the whole vision of our firm is to show, hey, if those crazy guys at Kaiser and gals at Kaiser can do this in commercial real estate brokerage, anybody can do it. So it seems like, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you must be then uh, very deeply tied into the conscious capitalism world. It seems like it's a perfect alignment of, of those principles of the triple bottom line. Totally. And it's it was really, really neat. I was an unconscious Conscious capitalist. Nice. I didn't get exposed to the organization really until three years ago. My buddy Brian Moore just kept saying over and over again, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. Finally, I took him up on it and I went and to their CEO summit at Austin, which now I go every year. And it was mind blowing. I'm sitting here telling people about what I'm doing. And usually people go, what? Like, what do you mean? Selfless service. Everybody else was like, yeah, yeah, yeah me too. Me too. And I'm like, 
really? So I felt like I found my tribe, right? right. Wow. This, and then people. My people. And as you'll notice, like one of the quotes in my book is John Mackey with Whole Foods, right? He says, business is changing. It doesn't have to be ruthless. And thankfully, Jonathan Kaiser is showing us a different way. It's, it's really been an honor to find those visionary pioneers like John who, you know, have really led this effort from before it was popular. And so for us, it's about bringing the same mindset of service to change an industry, change the world. And ultimately, you know, most brokers are miserable. They don't like really behaving that way. They feel trapped like I did. You know, there's a chapter in my book called Trapped in the Crazy Commercial Real Estate Industry. That's how I felt. I wanted to be successful. I wanted to make money. Commercial real estate brokers is actually a really cool industry, but it's just got this culture of ruthlessness that I don't believe is necessary. And it's also got a culture of heavy conflict, right? Like people representing multiple sides and whose side are you really on? So for us here at Kaiser, we only represent the occupier of space, never landlords or developers. And just trying to be a different kind of person. I only hire people that are aligned, you know, as we scale, we're looking for people. That's part of what the book's about is to paint the vision boldly into the future and have others that go, I want to be a part of that. Whether that's clients that are sick and tired of being screwed over by traditional firms, whether it's brokers that are sick and tired of being traditional brokers and wish there was a better culture. So that's that's what we're up to. So top line, because um, it's so difficult, how do you, or I'm sure you talk about it in the book, but from um, your perspective, how do you scale culture? How do you then um, kind of memorialize and then and then scale the idea that we want our employees to live and breathe these values. We want our clients to live and breathe these values. That's to be hard. Totally. It is hard. And anybody that says they have it figured out perfectly is lying, right? So, but there are a few key things. Number one, the leaders have to live it. And for the leaders to live it, it has to be very clearly articulated, mm-hmm. right? So capturing it in written form that everybody else can in understand that's not just a few cheesy words in a wall like all that integrity like how many don't have all that integrity on there it means nothing to the people most people can't quote what's in their words on a wall is what i call them so we have long ours are you know our 15 cooperating principles are long everybody here memorizes them we do them every every meeting we hold each other accountable but the fish rots from the head centauri you have to you have to live it you have to actually be it one of the things that i started doing recently as a challenge for my team. As I said, I really want you guys to hold me more accountable Mm. to your principles. They have not been doing as good of a job of calling me out when I do something. And that's the last thing I want, right? And that's on me, not on them. But it's like, I want more accountability. I want more people telling me where I've failed so I can see it, because I have a lot of blind spots. So now at the end of every day, I do a self-assessment and I send it out to the team of where I was at each, and I'm brutally honest. That's very transparent. And then, at the end, I say, and everybody knows, because everybody does now, I have a lot of blind spots. So wherever I'm self-deluded, please let me know and reply all. Right? So for example, I went to bed having just sent out an email that night, last week, saying I was I, I, I was good on one of our principles, principle eight. I said I was my word, because I in my mind, I'd forgotten that in one place I had not been my word. I was on time to every meeting. I did everything I said I was going to do. And then I remembered when I woke up that next morning on my way to spin class, I went, "Uh uh-oh, no, I did miss one yesterday. I missed 
my, my, I do spin in the morning and then I try to do two or three workouts a week with weights afterwards. And I'd made my trainer wait at the, at the gym because I had a recruiting meeting that started at three. I was supposed to work out at 4.45. My meeting didn't even end until after that. And so, um, so I sent out a note the next morning and I said, yikes, self-delusion is a scary thing. I just realized that I was wrong when I said this and I cleaned it up. And so, so that's the first piece. As a leader, you have to lead it. And most leaders aren't willing to be vulnerable. Number two, you have to make sure that it's written down and that it's clear. And then number three, and this, this for me, there's a four, but this for me is the most important one. I'll just tell you what the four is. Four is accountability. You have to have clear accountability mechanisms in place. But three is you got to find the people that actually believe it. So, we could be sure we've grown fast and we're a successful firm. We could be a lot bigger if I just brought on people that wanted to be here because we get a lot of interest. For us, we're very, very careful who we let through these doors because we want to make sure that they're culturally aligned. And that was the hardest part about the search for the president and chief growth officer. I mean, we've had that active search for almost a year. And our search firm is a, is a great firm their average time on getting one filled is 58 days. And so we've really screwed up their thing, but we got the right guy. Wow. And it took us a long time. Um, and, a, and a lot of it was culture. A lot of it was making sure that this person, there's a lot of talented people out there, but if, if they don't really believe at their core that the culture matters, if they don't really see why that's so critical, if they look at it as just something cute, you can't put leaders in that position, right? And then how do you hold them accountable? How do you hold your people accountable? How do you have transparency? And so part of what the role, you know, we've grown to the point where there's a great book called What Got You Here Won't Get You There. And so we're at that tipping point of going to the next level of really starting to launch uh, numbers of, of offices and a bunch of different markets. We need... It's, it's, it's doable to hold people accountable when you're, you know, one or two state operation. It's much different as you scale and you're in different geographies. And so it's even more important to have aligned people with accountability mechanisms that are all, you know, rowing the same direction. Yeah, we, we talk a lot about the importance of values, we talk a lot about the importance of connection and community and all those things, which I think are paramount just as, as you described and none of it's a secret right I think that people probably understand and know that in order to have a great culture and a great organization these are the things that you need to have yet you are an outlier you are disrupting an industry why don't more people do it yeah that's a great question George I mean it certainly was the question that I asked at the beginning I think the length of time is part of it but I don't think that's the complete answer. I think that as business people, we have a societal culture within the U.S. of win at all costs. And I think that there's an idea. That's certainly what I used to believe, right? It's a zero-sum game. If she's winning, I'm losing and vice versa. So... What I believe is that people don't have enough examples of leaders who are doing it 
a different way and still being successful. Remember, my message is not do good because it's the right thing to do. That message is already out there. That's nothing new. People already know that and they already live that or they don't. My message is success through selfless service. Be a badass by helping as many people as possible. Right? The subtitle of my book is The Art of Badass Selfless Service. Mm. Right? So teaching people that you can actually create extraordinary success by helping others succeed. Modeling it, living it. I'm not some talking head. I'm not a speaker. I mean, sure, I speak all over the country, but I'm a CEO, I'm a founder. I'm someone who has built an organization within a cutthroat industry through selfless service. And all I'm saying is, and we're not perfect and we make mistakes, but we're very, very committed to this idea of selflessly helping other people, right? Like, like we spend, here's one example. We spend three to four times per client requirement than most of our competitors. And most people say, that's insane. That's inefficient. So like, so we, we get a project. We'll spend 3x to 4x the man hours, women hours, person hours on that project than our competitors. Mm. Because competition is all about churn, right? In the commercial estate industry, all you have is time. Fast, 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 fast. Get a deal, churn it through. Next, 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 next. For us, we have a different mindset. Our mindset is everybody that we have the chance to serve, we want to slow down. And we don't do this perfectly, but this is our heart. And we try really, really hard. Slow down. Go so far above and beyond that they're so blown away that they pick up the phone, call all their friends, and go, you got to work with Kaiser. These guys are unbelievable. And then we do the same thing with them. And so as a result, we don't have to market. We don't have to sell. What we do is we serve, and we try to go so far above and beyond that those people then say, how can I help you back? I'm curious, uh, during the story, um, or going back to your story, and during that transition time when you were going to this um, success through service model, how did you like? How did you keep morale up? How did you keep supporters on deck? How did you keep it going? Because it seems like it took a while and you had a lot of skeptics. So yeah. what, what did you do and what advice would you give? That's a great, that's a great point. It was a very lonely road, mm-hmm. is the short answer. It, it, this was before I had the firm. This was when it was just me. And... You know, one of the guys that's one of the founders of Kaiser and one of our leaders here, Ian Davey, he's probably the closest person to experiencing it. And he only experienced about nine months of it. Right. So he came in at the last nine months before I launched this firm. Um, So very, very much a solo journey, very much a um, feeling like I was out on an island. And it would have been extraordinary if I had a couple, three people with me. But that's actually, you know, I was with my executive coach one day in a coaching session. And he said, hey, Jonathan, what if you had, because I didn't even believe it was possible. I considered myself a major anomaly, right? And I said, I don't think anybody else is going to want to do this. And we were talking about something like that, about how we scale, because I was having trouble scaling. And he said, what if there were just two or three people that believed like you? Really? Where are we going to find those people? So that just an example of how small my mind was at the time, (laughs) thinking that this was so crazy and so radical that no one would ever want to be a part of it. And today it's like we have so many extraordinary people that are part of the journey. And that um, and I, you know, when I launched, I thought people are going to think we're nuts. I remember 
remember my finger hovering over set the send button before we went live with the Kaiser website. Hmm. And I thought, right before I hit send, I thought, you know what? I'm going to read the whole thing one more time. Went to conference room, read the website on my laptop from cover to cover. And I remember just thinking like, oh my gosh, all the traditional commercial real estate brokers are going to, I mean, they are going to have a field day with this website. It's full of love and service and giving. They are going to laugh us, you know. It's like the Jerry Maguire memo. Yeah, exactly right. And I remember my finger just hovering over the thing and be like, screw it. That's who we are. Send, right? And I thought it was going to be 20% of the population liked it and 80% thought we were nuts. And I found it to actually be the opposite, where 80% of people go, you know what? I really like what you're up to. And I appreciate you being bold. And I appreciate you being willing to take some risk and put it out there. And so, you know, for us, it's just one joyful step at a time. It's like, I believe that if you look back, if I could pontificate for a second, I believe that this is something that everybody really wants. They just don't know how to get there. And so in the book, that's why we, the whole reason we started the Kaiser Institute is to teach people how to do this. Not so they can be good people, well, that's a good side benefit, but to teach them how they can be a selfless leader in business and create success doing it, right? And then certify those people. And we teach a inside out reinvention process within the book, a three-step process, and it's part of our coursework. And it's like, gotta start with you, because you have to reinvent yourself first, right? Fish rots from the head, then you do it within your organization, then you do it within the community and, the, and your collaborators. And it's really a beautiful thing. And so. I always tell people, it's like, back in the day, when I was a ruthless shark, I used to think, I got to convince everybody I'm a great guy. And nobody thought I was a great guy. <laughs> because goes, you weren't a great guy. Because I wasn't a great guy. Because <laughs> you were not a great guy. I was, I was a not prick, that good of a right? <laughs> now, fast forward to today, I try to convince no one I'm a good guy. All I try to do is help as many people as possible. And all these people come around saying I'm a good guy. It's like, if people could really get that, everybody's so focused on themselves. It's like... It's not about you. It's about the others. What, no matter what business you're in, you have to have people that are your clients, that are your customers, that are collaborators, something. And if people always say, how do I do this, Sean? How do I do this? Well, one, get a copy of my book, but and you can have all the details. But the shortest answer is you don't have to go crazy and completely reinvent yourself like I did. Just take every meeting you have, every interaction you have. And instead of coming from a place of what's in it for me, come from a place of how much can I push across the table? Right? Like, I just got off the phone with one of my friends. I'm going to make nine introductions for him. Right? Like, nine. George, you and I are hanging out in an airplane, and you're like, how can I help you? And you're modeling it, and you make, like, six introductions for me. It's like, it's like, what if everybody was doing that? What if everybody was helping each other? Rather than fighting, what if we were collaborating? What if we were serving? And so that's the vision. The vision is I, I envision a world, man, where people selflessly help each other regardless of personal gain because they really get at a fundamental level that it's in their own personal best interest to do I believe that selfless service is selfish. It's self-centered to serve others. Let's say that again. Selfless service is selfish because I believe that the more you serve, the more you get. Now, it's a long game. It's not for the faint of heart. You've got to be willing to be authentic and live it. But if you do... You're going to have extraordinary success and extraordinary life. And that's what the whole point of this book is. I love it. Jonathan Kaiser, you don't have to be ruthless to win. goes on sale the 11th. On the 11th, you can go to ruthlessbook.com. Ruthlessbook.com is where you can find a copy of the book. And from there, you'll be able to navigate to, you know, I have a jonathankaiser.com site. 
Um, but you might not know how to spell Jonathan Kaiser, so just go to ruthlessbook.com. And then the Kaiser website is K-E-Y-S-E-R. And you can find information on the Institute. Um, but yeah, we're, 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 you know, our, what we're looking for is three things. We're looking for A, commercial real estate brokers who are sick and tired of being sick and tired that want to be part of the next, the next movement within commercial real estate of reinventing it through selfless service that this message resonates with. They want to help us launch offices in other markets, et cetera. Please call us. We want to talk to you. Number two, we're looking for executives, CEOs, CFOs, founders of organizations all around the country that are sick and tired of traditional commercial real estate brokers that provide marginal value that want a real partnership. We'd love to talk to you. And then last, we're looking for anybody who's in an organization that says, I want to learn how to be a selfless leader. I want to learn how I can bring this same kind of philosophy and methodology that you're describing, Jonathan, into my company, into my practice. And we'd love to talk to you and see what the Kaiser Institute could do for you. So not necessarily uh, only commercial real estate focus. So if you're someone that wants to be a um, get success through service, come to you. Yeah, that's good. That's a good clarification point, Satari, because the whole point of the Institute is non-commercial real estate. Perfect. Right? It's designed to show that anybody can be the selfless leader and none of the coursework through the Institute is commercial real estate focused. It's all leadership, selfless service, team type of stuff. Roger that. Outstanding. Satari, anything else? Uh, no, answer all my questions. Thanks for being on here and I love that you're at the forefront of this, it, it takes a lot to be the first follower, which you were of uh, seeing something modeled somewhere else and being like, I'm gonna be the first one to do that here in Arizona. So kudos on that and thanks for doing the, doing the good work. Thank you, it's an honor. Thank you guys for what you're doing. And again, George, I think it's really cool to see you recognized as one of the top 100 financial planners in the country. Congrats, That's man. That was so cool. Man. Thank you. I that knew I was in the so presence cool. of greatness, but I didn't good realize job, quite man. how great that was. <laughs> And uh, I just love, you know, this is, sure, there's a business upside to you for doing this, but you're also helping others through this podcast, right? You're, you're trying to expose people to things that are going to really materially change their worlds and add value to their, to their lives. And so thank you for doing what you guys are doing, because this is not easy to do a daily podcast. It's a lot of work and a lot of sweat and tears and you know, maybe as a thank you, I'll get you a new chair in this little closet mm. of yours. <laughs> Love it. Thank and you, Jonathan. Thanks for having me. Thanks, as always, for listening. Remember, keep questioning because the struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step by step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.